Uh, All right. We're having fun. Yep. Well, welcome to the Last Drinks podcast. I am eloquently put together so well. It is a crime, also known as Will Hitchens. Oh, and wow. next to me is a staggering amount of resentment, also known as Mitchell oh. Ford. And our guest today was fortunate enough to be our very first guest on this podcast. And now she has a second accolade. She is the first return guest to our podcast. Yep. She did actually say in our first uh, chat that we gave her the best introduction that she's ever received. That's true. I can't top it. So no. it's all downhill from here. So please welcome back Justine Whitchurch, everybody. <laughs> uh, hi, guys. <laughs> nice to be back. Yeah. I don't need a second intro. No. No. Well, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you had anyway. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, that chat was, what, the middle of the year, so it was mm-hmm. a while ago. So, yep. what have you been up to since our last chat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, pretty much same shit, different day. Um, you know, a lot more of, of the same, really. Um, I've really been, prob- a, lot, a lot of PR, I've been out there sort of preaching my, my message a lot more um, in the media and my socials and um, had a little bit of press lately, which is good. Um, and yeah, doing a little bit of strategy around 2023 and what that looks like for me. And, um, you know, based on a few things that have changed in my business with, you know, my target market and things like that. Mm-hmm. So right. same stuff. Yeah. Slightly different angle. Yeah. I noticed you, uh, on one of your posts recently, you said that you're, um, facilitating or, or organizing a sober retreat. Yeah. That's so what, always, yeah. A, always been on the cards for me. Um, so I, you know, my hope is to actually put together a retreat that, that does involve some workshopping and things like that and bringing in a few experts around, you know, grey area drinking and drinking and um, uh, reinvention of yourself and style and things mm-hmm. like that, which I'm all about as well. When you have a new opportunity, when, when you, you're recreating yourself when you first get sober, um, you know, you have this amazing opportunity to change a whole heap of things. So the idea is to get together people who are already sober. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a rehab retreat. Mm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's not my thing. That's not my expertise. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, people who may be newly sober can socialise with other people at the same time, you know, have some education around how to maintain their sobriety. I'll definitely bang on about how important fitness and health is in, in maintaining that sobriety, but... Yeah, just a big get-together of sober people wanting to know more and learn more and, and be more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it mm. sounds really good, especially the um, socialising aspect because I know that I've experienced when you first get sober, it's hard to meet other sober people, so I'm sure people will get a lot out of that. Yeah, and, you know, like anything, when you first get sober, you find safety with sober people because mm. there's yeah. no risk. Um, but then, you know, that that does change with time but initially that's certainly important yeah for sure yeah. and so how can people find details for this retreat if at the interested? moment i'm just taking registrations of interest so if they just message me through my instagram account yep um it'll be february and at this stage it's here on the gold coast okay yeah awesome and how long does it go for? Is it'll it be a weekend. A weekend, yeah. yeah cool. It'll be a okay. weekend retreat. So it's accessible. Two weeks would probably all kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be drinking by the end. Yeah, exactly. All right, pull the vodka exactly. out. We want to keep everyone sober. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sick of this shit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Someone sneaks in some fireball. All right, yeah, let's yeah, go. Yeah. yeah, cool. 
Well, that's the thing that it's been. I guess we've discussed. I guess sober events. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, even in like, I think in the United States, they've even got like non-alcoholic bars and like mm. um, establishments where yeah, they don't serve any alcohol, but. I guess there would be a struggle in that because you're, you're the market's only limited to, I guess, a certain demographic of people that you can mm, target. It's yeah. like, I guess, if you were to open just a single-sex gym, like a, a men-only gym or a woman's-only gym, well, you're cutting off half the market mm, there. That's very true. It's interesting. They do really well, though. Yeah. Women are, <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine who's actually opening a bar at the moment, um, and we discussed the that opportunity there of, of an, a completely you know non-drinking bar and what that mm. would look like you'd have to do something i think something quite quirky around mm. that and my first thing was like some of them bringing drugs mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so i don't know how you know i think there's all sorts of you know um barriers to how do you monitor it how do you make sure people aren't drinking it's yeah yeah complex it would- it would be difficult. I suppose one of the benefits is you, you wouldn't have to worry about liquor licensing and those kind of things. Yeah. So you'd probably save a, a packet of money there. But, yeah, I'm sure there'd be challenges. I think they, I think there's one in Melbourne, actually. I think they have a, a non-alcoholic bar okay. in Melbourne. I haven't been, but um, I have heard that there's this one there. But other than that, I haven't really heard of any others around. Yeah. I guess it'd work better in like a major metropolitan city where you'd have yeah. a wide variety of people where you could tap into some of these niche areas. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you were, oh, it's a non-alcoholic bar. Well, I'll just take drugs and go there. You're just like, <laughs> yeah. What? I just it's like you want to hang around a bunch of sober people just <laughs> yeah. cooked off your head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't. And it's similar because it's similar. Like I guess even like a vegan restaurant. Like mm. there's only you only going to sort of get vegans. I guess people who are curious about trying vegan foods mm-hmm. um, who haven't been just you know, moved away from perhaps a few selected vegans who yeah. probably give the, the vegan image a bad name. <laughs> yeah. But because um, that was always, it's not like you go to a vegan restaurant and then they have a meat option. You, yeah, go, to well, a meat re- you go to a meat restaurant, they have a vegan option. Maybe yeah. that's coming. That's it. You know? Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But, you know, you do have your, your social groups in Australia, Untoxicated Australia, mm-hmm. um, you know, who are, you know, proactively running events or catch-ups and meet, meet and greets, that type of thing for people in the sober community. Um, yeah, and, and that's perfect. But at the end of the day, hey, well... <laughs> At some point in time, we've all got to socialise around people that are drinking. Mm. Yeah. And that's that's definitely something that I would be focusing on is, you know, you don't make yourself go out and feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And we're never going to make alcohol go away. Hopefully, we'll educate the, the general public a little bit more about what is problem drinking and, and why are we doing it and, you know, medicating as opposed to having a nice social drink. But we've got to expose ourselves to it at some point in time. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Is, so do you? how often do you find yourself in the events where people are drinking around you nowadays? I do a lot of stuff around health and fitness, so I guess I, d- I probably don't have it in my life as much, but yep. any time I go out, so you know, yeah. I, I go out now for dinner with friends or family and someone's having a drink. Mm. Yeah, sure. Just yep. general, you know, family get-togethers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, quite often. Yeah. Um, and that was definitely something that I, that I probably avoided to begin with, but that was mm. necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it's fine. It's not a temptation, but I have a limit. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely have a limit. I don't enjoy being around pissed people. Yeah. Well, definitely. It's just, yeah, it's not my thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And 
So do you find in those settings that you ever get cravings anymore or you're at a point now? Because you've been sober a long time now. So It'll be nine years at the 13th of December. Wow. Um, no, I, no. Don't get, I don't get cravings. I don't have a temptation. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that uncomfortable. Um, it's just not that enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Um, look, it's interesting. You know, we, have, we still have alcohol in our house. Um, and if it's around, I find even after all this time, when I see a bottle of wine on the kitchen bench or something like that, I still look at it and I still, <laughs> for me, it's the devil at the mm, moment. It's yeah. still the devil. I'm mm. looking at it going, but I like, as soon as you're gone. And it's not, I want you gone because I want to have you. Mm. I just want you gone because you, it's just so far removed from my part of my life now. Mm-hmm. And for me, it holds too much significance in a place that I, I never want to be in my entire life ever again. Yeah. So it's um it's not it's definitely not taboo, but it's just I don't know. And you know what? I hope it's always like that because mm. I think if it ever becomes something that I just have no reaction to, mm-hmm. that's when I'm in trouble. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, for me, like my old housemate used to drink and he'd have bottles of liquor up in the cabinet, and it got to a point. I mean, I, ne- I mean, where I was at with drinking, I, I didn't think much of it. But yeah, you can get to a point where you can just see liquor in the cabinet and not think, not look twice at it, and just mm. Eh, mm. whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't interest me whatsoever because I've got to a point where it's just like, well, I know where it leads, I know where it goes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a trade-off, and it's just, yeah, like I know I'm better off without it, so it doesn't. Yeah. I don't have any temptation with it anymore. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but it's uh, not. It's, yeah. I think you know, it depends on that disassociation with it in my experience so far depends on how fast somebody got with it mm. so if you know i was near death mm-hmm. will was some there was not not some great moments there I'm i was on my way yeah exactly <laughs> so that kind of dependency um i think that it probably is it's easier to get to that point than somebody that hasn't gone to those depths mm-hmm. because they haven't had that level of distress wow, yeah, with, yeah. with it they've had distress but not the same kind of thing yeah that's so. that's interesting yeah yeah well, i mean that's kind of what maybe that's why because I, I probably haven't had that near death mm. you know it was definitely affecting my life and yeah in a lot of bad ways but probably not to the extent that you guys have experienced mm. and maybe that's what like you know when i went to america and i sort of drank again for a month that's probably why i was able to go into that state because i guess i haven't been scared to the level that you guys have mm. that's mm. part of the reason yeah and i think as we've discussed like there could be a temporary period where you just do avoid it or you remove it mm. from any setting whether it is if you're living with people and it's in the house just get rid of it if you're not going out to social events that there's going to be alcohol present um, you take some time away from that if you think that's best for you mm-hmm. But yeah, like certainly what I found at some point you have to you're gonna have to dip your toes in the water and then just accept the uncomfortableness um, that you may experience being around people who are drinking. But it gets easier because then you just keep doing it over and over again. Then think, oh no, this is all right now. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. And then mm. you get comfortable with yourself being around people who are drinking. And then you just don't. I don't think twice about people drinking around me. It doesn't cross my mind anymore. And then people ask you why you're not drinking, and then you can either say. I don't drink, or you can give them the whole spiel. Well, I was a complete fucking <laughs> screw up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how much time yeah, do you have? Exactly, exactly. And um, and I know you've got you've got two two kids, Justine. Mm. And the thing I noticed was that your son turned eighteen mm. recently. So 
I guess Look we it. wanted to talk to you a little bit about how do you navigate that because obviously an 18-year-old lad, you know, it's green lights, let's party, let's go clubbing and whatnot. Well, maybe not for your son, but at least it was for me. It was, it was, <laughs> oh, no, it was no he's, a good, he's, uh, he's a good boy. He's a, he's a good boy. So, yeah, what, what are your thoughts around your son and, and how's he been so far? Um, he's, look, he's 18. Yep. He's no different to any other 18-year-old boy. And he, um, yeah, he played it hard over school this week. Um, a lot of his friends had sort of turned 18 earlier in the year. So there's yep. been 18th birthdays. Um, and we've, you know, we've not banned him from, you know, having a drink before he was 18. Yeah. Um, look, he's... He's he will walk his own walk. Mm. I actually got asked this question a little while ago. My answer might have been different then because he wasn't eighteen. Um, we have very open communication in our house, and we talk a lot about mental health and medicating with mental health. And pretty much everyone in our house has had had or having some kind of. Um, you know, issues with their own mental health for whatever reasons, whether it's phases, whether it's hereditary, genetic and that type of thing. So they're also highly aware of the um, genetic predisposition they have to addiction mm-hmm. coming from all parts of my family but and, you know, clearly from, from me. So it's, it's communication and they know that... Uh, it's interesting. I remember my daughter did say to me, she's very different to her brother. She's 20, she's nearly 21. Um, I said to her one night, are you going, you know, are you going to drink tonight? And she said, no, I'm feeling really anxious, so I'm not. Wow. Mm. Because she knows that that's the wrong time to be mm. doing it and she knows how she's going to feel the next day. Mm. And I think, you know, my son most certainly knows how he's going to feel the next day and how it impacts his mental health now at 18. That's all I can ask for mm. is that he's hyper aware of what it does for him and what it doesn't do for him. He's got to, he's got to, you know, run the gauntlet himself, but he knows, and he's mm. already quite um, well versed around that. Well, so yeah, wow. yeah. Um, you know, he came home from school. He's in, he had his had a break in between because he just needed to, uh, but no different to any other eighteen year old. Yeah. Whereas she was, mm-hmm. she still is. Mm. Mm. Well, it sounds. I mean, it sounds like your kids are definitely further ahead than than probably most other 18 or 21 year olds I hope so you know yeah, I don't want my my experience to have had no impact on them whatsoever I clearly I don't want it to have had a negative and, and I'm sure it has mm-hmm. I'm sure if I spoke to their psychologist they would tell me that it definitely has done mm-hmm. but they they were quite young at the time but I certainly made um you know a pact with myself that that at least some of my you know, some of my mess would be passed on to them in some kind of um, constructive way so that they maybe didn't have to fall as hard as what I did. Definitely talking about the medicating with alcohol, though, because mm-hmm. yeah. that's the big thing, yeah. really, at the end of the day. And they know that, you know, you binge drink too much, you're going to feel like absolute shit, you know your mental health's going to be terrible the next day, whether you've got an underlying mental health condition or mm-hmm. not. Um, it's about how far then you you push that, and I definitely I don't want to scare them, but they know that 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 genetic predisposition is definitely there. Mm. Yeah, they haven't got it from learned behaviour though, and that's what I'm really proud of because mm. they were young enough to know that that's not what you come home and you do every day. Mm. Okay. For that, they definitely thought that that would be the case. Yeah, 
Yeah. So you've been a good influence in a in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> I fell off my perch and became the the, the, the positive influence. Oh, I think so. I hope so. And it's if that's just a matter of conversation and education, um, that's enough for me because mm. I you know I don't control them. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to. Mm. I want them to to learn themselves because yeah. we don't you know we don't learn from someone else telling us. We learn from us doing it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. So yeah, but I have I have um, rules around alcohol in the house, and that's nine years down the track. Mm-hmm. And you know nobody really. Um, come home, comes home and, and drinks after work or uh, it tends to be a celebratory thing. You know, if the kids are going out somewhere, they might have a few drinks with their friends before they go out, but it's not getting hammered in front of me. Mm-hmm. That's a respect thing. I don't mm. even have to ask them. They yeah. just don't. Yeah, they don't understand that. I think. It was yeah. weird. Yeah, when yeah. We, I just recently moved into a new home and my daughter had bought for a party somewhere along the line a bottle of vodka and, and it travelled to the new house and it was sitting in her walk-in wardrobe right there. And I walked in and saw this bottle of vodka staring me in the face and I used to hide vodka in my wardrobe. And that, like, that, I reckon that took me a day to... Because I had these flashbacks and it wasn't a trigger, but it was like, she, she's openly got it there. I hid it in my undies drawer. Mm, yeah. um, and I had to reframe because see me seeing a bottle of vodka there I automatically thought the worst mm. but it's not for her no. it's fine that same bottle's been there for however long it wasn't guzzled in three seconds flat like mm. mine was hers is there for when she goes to a party she takes it with her and she brings it home yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's 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 reframing it for me too because as we know not everybody has an issue with alcohol mm-hmm. yeah that's true mm. So, that sounds, that sounds yeah. like a challenge to. All right, I'm going to take a bottle of vodka to a party, <laughs> and I'm going to bring it home yeah. with hopefully some some oh. some of its elements left in it. Yeah, yeah. it's a good effort. Yeah. And how did you go when um, your children were perhaps underage, or even now, with mm. I guess, like you say, you don't want to control your children, mm. but at the same time, how do you allow um, your kids to go to parties and things like that where maybe they drink? Do you do you check the amount that they're I guess the amount of alcohol that they're buying or that they're drinking um, or do you like set curfews like what's the best way in your experience to sort of manage (laughs) my poor daughter she had the first child Mm. you know initiation so she wasn't allowed to pretty much do anything Uh. Um, look she's type 1 diabetic as well so I had um, I guess reservations around her drinking because it it affects massively and they can fall into comas and all sorts of things so I think she was probably 17 and she was going to a few parties uh, and I, I actually, I was a bit awful to begin with. I'm like, no, you're just not drinking. And she's the type of kid that just wouldn't do it. Mm. Like she wouldn't go behind my back and do it. Um, and I realised that I was I was far too restrictive there. But there was other reasons behind that. So that definitely was monitored. But definitely when I have a will, so when Will started um, going to parties underage, we would buy the alcohol for him mm-hmm. and give him and say, that's your allocated amount. I see. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that ever got stuck to or not. I come home and said, "Did yeah. you drink that amount?" Yep, mum, I did. Yeah, yeah. okay. There's probably twelve others that were just consumed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did. I did. We did, and we we def- we've always had curfew. Not curfew. Well, yeah, be home by yeah. one o'clock or whatever. My kids are really good at checking in, though. I'll get text messages in the cab or in the Uber, whatever. Yeah. I'm here, so. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Because I suppose that it is a bit of I suppose I mean if I if I had kids, that would be a bit of a minefield. Is how you manage 
how you manage your kids in those sort of party situations because you I guess on one hand yeah you don't want them to drink and do bad things but at the same time you don't want to restrict them so much that they're going to potentially resent you or yeah. uh, or, or then yeah just become really rebellious because they're like ah, screw you I'm just going to go drink mm. a bottle of vodka anyway so I had yeah. a massive um, I've had massive growth around that because if I'm brutally honest there was years before this occurred where I was panicking already about it coming up mm. and I actually did speak to my psychologist about it because it was it was like a dread it's like, like I've been able to control my house for a period of time and I know there's going to be a time when I can't comp- completely control it mm-hmm. and that oh, I control my environment does that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a safety in that with sobriety. Mm, I still yeah. still do it now, and that's okay. It keeps me sober. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they definitely. I had to work myself into that, and I will say that my first one was definitely breaking myself into it. Mm-hmm. It still doesn't sit 100 percent right with me, but I, I've got to go with the flow. Yeah, it's a extent. difficult situation. As long as I don't drink. If I yeah, don't drink, I can always help them if they're in trouble. Mm. Mm. That's, that's the best thing. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Because yeah. I imagine it'd be different. Yeah, like raising your daughter, raising your son, they'd probably be. Would there be? Was there differences with that, or is it just? Um, I wouldn't say girl boy because I've got lots of friends that have got they've got issues with the girl, not mm-hmm. the boy. It mm-hmm. was personality type. Yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely personality type. She's she's just different. You know, he was he's um, he's a lot like me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's a lot less. <laughs> so he was always going to, um, you know, push boundaries. I think at some point in time, not too much. So like, God, the kid's amazing. He's almost a straight A student. He's got early acceptance into university to study toxicology and wow, um, he's a smart boy. Yeah. So he'll just he's just eighteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and he's just finding his way. And yeah, yeah. That's I it. guess with sometimes I think you were saying like restricting them from hmm. life experiences can sometimes have a negative effect as well Mm. because sometimes yeah you have to go through the shit to learn lessons yeah it's a weird (laughs) thing isn't it yeah yeah if only we could just download these lessons yeah so we don't have to experience them yeah yeah um but life doesn't work that way it doesn't seem to be human nature the right support network when you're not feeling you know like you're in control anymore is really the most important thing that's all you can do is that you know both the kids know that if they're in trouble they 100% have the, the ability to be able to communicate that with me. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Yeah. And I know what to do. So, to an extent, anyway. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's not always me that can help them, though, either. That's the whole thing. You know, as a parent, it's not just, sometimes it's not you. Mm, yeah. It's someone else. Yeah. So, mm. And how do you think, so, I mean, now that, so your, your children are adults now. Mm. How's your life? How's your life going to change, or has it changed already? Or do you think there will still be a period? Cause oh, they're still living. Indep- at- I love my independence. Yeah, they live at home. <laughs> they're, living, they're still living at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope they do live at home for a long time. Um, yeah. Just build a house big enough for them to stay there for till they're seventy or something. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. But um, oh, look, I think you know, over the last even five years of my sobriety, I've totally found myself again and mm. and the kids being a little bit older and me having um the capacity to to be able to go and do my own things and that type of thing has just been amazing so you know i don't know I, i'm loving it at the moment i don't feel like 
I think if I'd not had something to focus on, that they call they call it empty nesters syndrome or mm, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that bloody old anyway. Jesus, every time I think about, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's isn't that something that an old person does? Um, no, I love it. I've got something to focus on. It gives me even more time to be able to do that, to dedicate to that, and to to continue to re- reinvent or you know find old parts of me that I that I never really fully. Um, embellished before mm. yeah okay mm. nice exciting like times ahead yeah, yeah, yeah I love it I love it I really do I feel I feel at this point in my life more like I did when I was maybe 18 myself just wow. without the, the you know the beer goggles on mm. yeah yeah ready to take on the world yep <laughs> seen it for the <laughs> first days. time <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yep. I mean I've heard a thing like when you start drinking that's the emotional age you stay at which means that mm. I would have stayed at the emotional age at 15 yeah, for about yeah, 15 sweet. years. Pack, pack a 14-year-old on Last Drinks podcast. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, um, so we'll switch it up with another topic. Um, Justine is a woman. Oh. Yeah. Hi. Oh, okay. Apparently. Um, <laughs> uh, we, are, we are sober men, mm. and this was actually something you posted on your Instagram, and this isn't to bring up just to inflate our egos or Bruce no. style profiles on the dating market. No, no. Both single, by the way. But yeah, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to ask, why do women love sober men? Well, there was a lot of reasons behind that. <laughs> let's go. Um, let's just start with when you're not drinking, you're more in control. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when you're more in control and you have clarity of thought, you're own ability to do things well is increased Mm -hmm. so it's more attractive in so many ways so that that then follows on to you know clearly if if you're if you're not a big i'm not going to say completely sober either because i don't want to cut out a market or like like not not everyone who drinks has got a problem with drinking either but drinking less or not drinking at all um you know you'll focus on your health more your mm-hmm. fitness so you know aesthetically f- physiologically your mental health is going to be better yeah. um you're predictable more predictable i'm so completely predictable but more predictable mm-hmm. um i had this conversation with a girlfriend even about the opportunity for things like domestic violence decreases oh definitely that's actually a start i mean that that's i don't want to go into stuff because i'm not very good with that unless i really research it but from even from my own personal experience in relationships previously, drop the alcohol, the the domestic abuse almost sort of gone away. Mm. Reliability. Mm-hmm. How much does alcohol take away from you? <laughs> just just basically reverse that. Um, it's there's a sense of I personally love men with self discipline. Yeah. And I think when you don't drink, that already shows a sense of discipline because it's so difficult to, to be a person in today's society and not drink. Mm. So to me, that's like, oh, Especially that's how it's attractive. marketed towards men with all yeah. these yeah, like beer commercials and yeah, it's very attached to, the, attached to your fucking hand, you know. Yeah. Having a beer after work, going to the pub with the, with the boys, you know. Saturdays for the boys. It's very yeah, marketed yeah. as this um, enticing, attractive thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and especially for someone to be around it and have the strength and yeah. to say no and not be bothered by it. You know, when that is your life, it, that becomes part of a large part of your focus mm. as well. And if you're not focused on that, you you will focus on other important things, including, you know, 
if you're in a relationship, that person that you not that you not that you don't focus on them at all, but it just changes. It mm. changes a lot. It's a really attractive quality, and even for a woman that still drinks, maybe not in large amounts, it's still an attractive quality mm-hmm. unless they've got a problem with it themselves. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because you'll find that you know it, it's like a banter. If somebody, two people, one person doesn't drink and the other one only drinks a little. A little that person will end up drinking less as well yeah mm. so it it um it can't be anything but positive mm. the only time i see it as an issue and you boys are out there dating is when someone has a problem with it and all it does is highlight their problem mm. so they're not comfortable with you not drinking because it's mm. you know it's an issue for them mm. they're not the right person for you anyway yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's it. sexy. It's mm. control. It's mm. um, you know, it's I don't know. I lo- I personally like men that stand out and are a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Mm. So maybe maybe me going out night clubbing three four in the morning, drinking <laughs> high on drugs. Now I know why the girls weren't so attracted. <laughs> it all makes sense. It now. all makes just yeah, just it's grinding fun. up behind them, just her breathing on their neck. <laughs> <laughs> Pupils just like like. <laughs> it must be the women, like it, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it's um yeah. They just don't understand me. Yeah, that's, that's the real problem. <laughs> I'm quirky. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it's um, but definitely there's an element of um control and predictability as well. Safety. Mm-hmm. If you go out, you know, and I remember. Uh, when alcohol wasn't necessarily an issue for me, and I would go out with guys that were drinking a lot. You knew you couldn't depend on them to look after mm. you if something happened as well. Mm. Um, there's, yeah, there's it's safety, it's security. I don't know. It's a, it's a, I think it's a super sexy quality. Mm. Well, it's an important part of the relationship for women is to feel safe and secure with the man that they're with. And yeah, for me personally, yeah, like if I was drinking, yeah, there was un, I was unreliable. I didn't know where I was going to end up. Mm. It was just. Switch goes on, so it's like, all right, I'm off on an adventure. Have take care of yourself. I'm I'm off somewhere else, you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. and I've still got, you know, I've got friends whose um, partners or husbands, some are really good and quiet. You know, they'll go out for a boys' night, and you know they're going to have a few and they're going to be home. But then I've got friends that, you know, they've been married for 15, 20 years, and they still go, oh my god, I'm dreading this weekend because he's going out and. He always gets mm. absolutely smashed. I've got no idea when he'll come home. He mm. won't answer the phone. Um, you know, I know women do that too, but it seems to be a little bit more prevalent <laughs> yeah. on the other end. Oh, definitely. And yeah. like, uh, fuck that. I yeah. couldn't do. I couldn't mm. do that anymore. That's just. Um, that's anxiety times mm. a thousand. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that was a big complaint from women that I've dated or ex-partners when I was drinking and partying. Was yeah, like you say. Just go out and mm. who knows when I'm coming home. Mm. Could be could be whenever. Could be two AM or could be eight AM or mm. yeah. Yeah. So it definitely disrupts relationships and, and makes things a lot harder for the partner. Because um, yeah, like drinking is a selfish it's a bit of a selfish act in itself. Yeah, I suppose to just, it, yeah. To go out and just all right, well I'm doing this for me when mm-hmm. you're also have this relationship which, you know, should be a priority in your life as well to Yeah. Um taking into consideration your partner's needs and you mm-hmm. know and then it only has to touch your lips and your inhibitions are gone mm. so yeah. any kind of um morality you had around it before you do it is gone the minute you drink it mm. because it's there's that's gone that's what alcohol does to mm. our brains 
Mm-hmm. So I think we covered everything. So our, <laughs> our DMs should just be filling up wow. right yeah, now. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> just open that right up for you, boys. Sweet. That's that, was the, that was the only reason we asked. That's, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. We're, asking we're, for a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just making it easier for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it definitely does make a big difference. What's, um, I suppose, the opposite of that, what, what is particularly, I guess, specifically unattractive about drunk men? Like, it probably is obvious, but it mm. would be just good to, to, to flesh it out I a little just, bit. Look, I think it's, it's kind of drunk people yeah, in general. Mm, or drunk but people, like yeah. that, you know, that dwindle of conversation that becomes, you know, somebody that does have some kind of intellect generally doesn't have the capacity to be able to, you know, get that out once they've had a couple of drinks. Mm-hmm. Repetitive conversation. Mm. Uh, just, it just, you know, for me, that the engagement changes if you're a non-drinking person with somebody that's drinking. Um, just looser, just the, the lack of control. It's just, it becomes a little bit, you know, you, your facial, gest- facial expressions, everything changes, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you're not, you're not um, at your finest. Yeah. No, I'm a visual yeah. person. <laughs> yeah. I'm a super visual person. So for me, I, if someone's been drinking, I can just tell straight away in their mannerisms and stuff like that. Mm. But then add on, you know, this conversation that's just turning into a, something monotonous and um, meaningless. Mm. Um, you know, you've lost me. Yeah. Mm. And especially when people are drinking and they think, yeah, I'm. I'm killing it. Yeah, she's really into me. Shut up for a lot better. You know, the ones that just sit there and a little bit. You know, oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying a lot, but the ones that like have this this uh, bravado that comes Mm. out of nowhere. Mm. Yeah, no. It's an interesting point because I mean that was something that uh, I mean I I battled with and people I've spoken to have battled with too is that you have this fear that when you stop drinking you're going to be boring. Mm. Like that was a huge one, and like I've talked to this with other people, and it's like. Because you're used to being this, yeah, excitable person, extroverted, chatting shit all the time, being silly, buying shots, mm. and then you're going to go to a party and just be a little bit more in your shell. And uh, and I guess I'd always considered that that would be less attractive. Mm. You know, like I'm not going to be. People are going to think I'm boring and not interesting. And I've actually found in my experiences, it's actually helped my chances with women because I think oh, it, yeah. because you seem like you're saying you're more in control. Um, you have, I guess, you're more masculine in nature in a way. Like you're, you're someone who's doing all the right things, and, and yeah, you're not making an ass of yourself. And oh, totally. Yeah. Mm. It's so funny, and that's you know we all have these um, these preconceived ideas of what it's going to be like to be sober and what people how people are going to perceive us when we're sober, mm-hmm. and they're all wrong. But yeah. you know, I had a, um, a guy message me the other day um, who. I don't know, he found my page somehow and he just said, he said, I've just just stumbled on your page. I've just relapsed after 12 months. Uh, we had a bit of a conversation about that. And I said, why, why, do you think it, why do you think it happened? What happened for you? And he said, I think I, got, I didn't want people to find me boring anymore. Mm. And I said, really? I said, do you really think that sober's boring? Yeah. And he said, no. And I said, so, you know, it's, it's just a really interesting concept. It's define boring mm-hmm. you know but then who's someone who's that? loud and buying drinks and being yeah. making an ass of themselves is obnoxious i don't find yeah. that exciting it's just that's you know yeah. it doesn't fit into the same category yeah and i think a lot of the time if you if you are acting that way you're going to attract someone who's attracted to that which is probably someone else 
yes. that you might not have ever yeah, yeah. Yep. come on the radar before That's as attractive it. before. I mean, a thing that just came up in this, this chat was the awareness of personal space is mm. another thing. That's <laughs> certainly not something that with drunk people, yeah, just... <laughs> that business, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, going out and you have people who come up and yeah. they're, they're pretty lit and they yeah, put their arm around you and then they're yeah. spitting absolute gibberish in your yeah. ear and you're just like, <laughs> what? Just, yeah. just go. Like, and then, yeah, again, it's just a reflection on my part, which is just like, oh, fuck, is this what I was like? Jesus, yeah. like, oh, fucking hell. Yeah, <laughs> well, you have no self-awareness mm. when you're in that state. Yeah. And you're so right because, you know, although you think, well, people find me boring, the, the right people that you should be engaging with based on who you are as a person, your personality and all your amazing traits without the alcohol are not the people that will be attracted to that anyway. Yeah, yeah it's so true. Yeah. But yeah, you yeah. have to, it's, uh, you have to step outside and you have to, like anything, we have to experience, have a positive experience with something first before we can then, you know, have hard evidence for ourselves that, that's actually really what happens. Mm. It's like anxiety. Did I die from you know, that panic attack that I was having because I thought something was going to happen and it didn't actually happen? You've, you've now got evidence that, well, it didn't happen. Mm. So you mm-hmm. can draw on that later on. But you've got to yeah. have your own experiences first. Yeah. I Actually, that just reminded me of it. Um, I went to a party. It's like a housewarming party back in Adelaide a while ago. And I was, yeah, that was like early days. So I wasn't drinking, just had some non-alcoholic beers and there was a bunch of people there. Most of them I didn't know. Um, but, yeah, and then there were, like, some really attractive women there. And then there was this, um, yeah, like, this really good-looking girl was sort of partying and we were, like, having a bit of a chat. And it was funny because I realised that if I was drinking, I would definitely be super attracted to this girl. But she was actually really quite drunk, mm. um, particularly towards the end of the night. And I just remember being like, I don't want anything to do with this woman. <laughs> like, even though physically, like, yeah. you know, and I'm sure she's a lovely lady when she's sober, but... For me, it was a turn-off because I was just yeah. like, she, just the way that she was behaving and the things that she was saying, I was just completely turned away. So it was a really interesting experience for me because if I was drinking, it could have mm. been a completely different story in terms of totally. what, yeah, how it would have felt. Yeah. And, and, and everybody is different when they drink, um, but most people you know, lose that inhibition and you, there is, I guess, levels of you know, denigrating yourself to, to an extent. It, it just comes down to... To how far mm-hmm. um, most people don't like just like we don't like our voices potentially when we listen to them back on a recording <laughs> um, we if we knew what we were like when we were drinking mm. it would be um, you know and I know people video these days but sometimes it's just not quite enough yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> some is. good videos well you were you were amazing with I don't know how you recorded so much <laughs> So much crap, yeah. Just well, I had all the time in the world. I was barely working and just um, on yeah. my own a lot. So yeah. I was just talking into my phone, whether I was actually thinking I was actually communicating with anybody or it was just a dumpster reel of just yeah. shit, which I guess I kind of still do now, but I think I'm better at it. Yeah, um, no, it's good gear. You're very funny. You're very creative. Though, because you've got something to reference off. Yeah. I actually, I think it's awesome because there's, you know, look, you, you got before and afters better than all of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's sometimes hard to look back at that, and then sometimes it's just I don't. It's just like that's the that's me apparently. Like I don't recognise who that person. It doesn't is. look like you in any way. No. Like, even the video, like not just physically, but just the way you're speaking and 
It's just, you just got I was an angry man. I was a sad yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Oh, dear. So, yeah, I'm so much better now. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's it. And so, I suppose, tying in with, I guess, the partying, and I guess we've sort of talked about the fact that, you know, if you're not drinking or you sort of will have to socialise with people that are drinking. Mm. Um, and, you know, sometimes it can be fun, I think, if it's the right people. You know, if it's like close friends, mm. I still find I can have a great time sober. If it's people that I don't know and I don't really connect with them, then it's probably not as much fun. So I guess in, outside of outside of that environment, because um, you've talked a little bit about redefining fun on your Instagram, mm. what, what are some of the things that um, you indulge in that, that you find fun or, or the, the way that you see, I guess, fun in, in your life now? Well, clearly fun, I had to remove the whole concept that alcohol was the fun part of my life because mm. it wasn't in the end. It may have been at some point in time, but it wasn't. And then, you know, whatever I was doing around that, was that really fun? Mm-hmm. Um, I find fun in the most basic of things now. And that's, you know, the re- redefinition of fun for me might be boring for some people, but it's not. It's it's such a personal thing. Mm-hmm. I love catching up with people like you guys. Right, this, this kind of communication for me and engagement with people on the same sort of wavelength or um, that to me is fun. That's enjoyable. That's dopamine hits for me. Yeah. Um, I love my I love my fitness. Some days I don't love it, but you know, most of the time I do. I love getting just getting outside in nature and you know the beach and um, it, just the basic things in life mm-hmm. that have now become enjoyable. And I probably took them for granted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love holidays. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, so I kind of go on a holiday every day. Oh, that's you know, I'm not. <laughs> We need to win the Tats Lotto for that to happen. Yeah. Um, but there's things like that that I look forward to. I just don't find going out, socialising, you know, and drinking fun. But there mm-hmm. is plenty of other ways to have fun. Mm. It's just that we have been conditioned to think that's the way you have fun. Mm. That's all it is. Yeah. It's a reframing. That's not the only way to have fun. Mm. Fun is whatever makes you feel giddy inside whatever you know gets the dopamine going um mm-hmm. you know fuck i love shopping yeah, yeah. I, know, I, it's, I know it involves money again but i can just walk around the shops so, so yeah. i'm a real i am um i'm very visual and i'm also a, a real um kinesthetic sort of empathy type person so me just being around people gives me energy so i will often go to the shopping center and, and like if it's a, it's a laptop day for me cafe or a shopping centre and sit somewhere where there is going to be people coming past and I get to look and um, <laughs> now I sound like a stalker. Bit of people but watching. Do you know, I do Observe the freaks. Yeah. But I like <laughs> being amongst things too. Like, you know, in, in, in there's energy. Hmm. You don't feel any of that shit when you're drinking no. because yeah. you honestly feel like the only way you can fit, have those dopamine hits is through that liquid. Yeah, yeah. And I think it does take time. We talked to a, um, our last podcast with, with Fraser, mm-hmm. a friend of mine. He's, he's, been, he's been a doctor for a couple of years. And, yeah. and we went out camping and we sort of talked about this. And he said that, um, I guess, that when you're drinking, you know, you're getting super high pleasure, I guess, from dopamine, serotonin mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And so, you know, and it's really hard to recreate through other activities. And so that's why, I guess, early sobriety, it can feel like 
that they're not having much fun because you're used to this yep. level of dopamine, mm. serotonin, and all of a sudden you're here. Which has been so, artificially triggered. Yeah, mm. exactly. Mm. So I guess it takes time for your brain to adjust and get used to it, and eventually it become yeah. more fun. I'm sure that's happened to yeah, you after will, being sober will, for... Yeah, yeah. it will. It will stabilise. And absolutely, I can remember the first... I think I, I told you guys, you know, the first year that I went into rehab, I came out and I was convinced I would be a social drinker because I still, at that point in time, could not fathom you know ever not drinking at all in a social environment even though i'd lost that um that medicating kind of i guess part of the addiction i still couldn't quite see life without it Mm -hmm. and it just it just i mean it just never worked it just it was never going to be like that but for me most certainly building that um re i guess re calibrating Mm -hmm. especially with fitness I mean, I know, Will, you talk about that a lot too, which you have. It's so freaking important because mm-hmm. it's, it's, you are naturally going to start to kick in all of those feel-good hormones again that you used to get from drinking and that you've deplete. The funny thing is you, you deplete so much from chronic alcohol use, um, even though you're getting dopamine. It's like this give-take thing that's, you know, it's yeah. constant fucking up and down. Yeah, the wave. Yeah, mm, yeah. but you are naturally de- depleting all those really that really good stuff. But you start exercising and really getting yourself into it and, you know, that physiologically changes. Mm. So you're helping yourself. It's like you're taking extra vitamins to try and get you back to a, a good equilibrium. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Just yep. don't I – I, I, I will bang on about that forever. You've got to train. You've got to train <laughs> yeah, because it's I agree. strength of mind. You've got to you yeah. know, strengthen the mind, you've got to strengthen the body and get it all. It's like having a, a, a massive vitamin B12 shot. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I think even, yeah, because I've been traveling, I've still been managing to train overseas, which has been, it's been super helpful. But in, even if I have, like, like last week, I didn't train at all. And then the last couple of days, I've been like just more grumpy than usual. I'm just like, what's wrong with my mood? Like, what's going on? And then this morning, I've trained, and yep, now I'm all like back, yeah. back yeah. good again. So yeah, I agree. Um, health, and exercise, fitness is extremely important for for sobriety. Early sobriety, especially. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's mm. a great tip. Yeah, yeah, it's a good substitute because um, I guess your mind plays tricks on you when you are drinking. Because mm. then you're like, oh, well, my dopamine levels are high. This is fun. So yeah. now I'm attaching alcohol to fun. Yeah, and then you get and then you remove that, and then you just think, oh, well, what is fun? Maybe you'd never question what is fun for me mm-hmm. in in your life. And then, I guess even with exercise, it is that transition. Well, yeah, like I guess the starting to exercise isn't always pleasant. It isn't always mm. fun, depending on what sort of training you do. I mean, certainly, if you've never trained before, I mean, if you're jumping into like a CrossFit gym or doing some high intensity. Um, workout that just fucks you for three days, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. Maybe don't do that because then you'd be less inclined to go back and keep yeah. doing it because you'd just be like, oh fuck, I have to do this every time. It's yeah. kind of it's a transition thing and just ease yeah. into it. And I mean, uh, I've said yeah, what I did when I was sorting out my health and fitness was I just went for walks. Hundred uh, percent. I was just it literally just about came out of my mouth. Yeah. You've got to have that that integration into. I guess a formal type of exercise and if you've not if you've not trained before and you know for most people who um, are quite in the midst of alcohol substance abuse or something like that they're probably not training mm-hmm. at that point in time because we can't do both yeah we very rarely can do both nature walking so mm. you, you got two you got two forms of you know that kind of energy you're getting it from you know out there in the environment the sun 
the rain, whatever it might be, fresh mm. air, mm. oxygen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the walking. I did exactly that. Mm-hmm. But I did quickly moved into CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not joking. That's what yeah. I did. Probably a couple of months later. But I did. I, I remember just putting on my runners and walking and walking and walking and walking. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do 12Ks. Yeah. yeah and, nice. you know, it might have been, um, you know, walking off a lot of nervous energy to mm. begin with. Um, I didn't have a lot to do. You know, when I first got sober, it wasn't working either. So I had to distract myself. Um, yeah. Movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not inside your bloody house. Yeah. Get out of your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially yeah, getting out in the, in the sun or just getting out outside for sure. Yeah. Because um, you, you went to Crumman Clinic yeah. Yeah, as well. Yeah. So, I mean, when eventually you had that period of like where you had to be in for like 72 hours and then you were allowed to go outside and then, yeah, that was the sort of mm-hmm. first things was just walking around Corumbin and it's a, a kind of, because there's a piece of me that kind of really likes the area down there and I thought maybe I'd move move there at some point but I guess yeah, I'm up in Broadbeach at the moment which is, yeah, still pretty good as well. So yeah. it's not bad. But um, yeah, like starting with walking and then for me, yeah, it just progressed into like, all right, well, what else can I do? Because then it gets to, I was jogging and then it got into weight training and then mm-hmm. now I'm in, training well yeah it was training in a lot of group fitness classes Mm. which we we mentioned on a previous episode i found it's it's killed two birds with one stone you know poetically Mm. that i'm doing all this training but then i'm also engaging in socializing with people on sort of similar wavelengths and so then i don't have to go back out to like bars sober and try and meet people that way because it just yeah a lot of the time it just never really panned out well for me (laughs) i i uh, that is definitely something that i talk about in you know my early sobriety trips is uh, tips sorry is um you will find cliche find your tribe Mm -hmm. um but you'll in in a, in a health and fitness environment, you're more inclined to be around people that are conscious of their of their health. Mm. Clearly, yeah, right? So, yeah. alcohol's probably if it's pre- if it's still part of it, it's going to be to to a minimum. Mm. So it's a lot easier to navigate yourself around it. Um, it's more like minded people, you know. For the gym, for me, um, you know, I'm not. I hate group classes, but that's because I like I <laughs> I like to be the one in control. So I don't mm. like someone telling me you need to be doing this. Yeah, okay. That's a whole uh, separate issue. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> that's living with obsessive compulsive disorder, which just you know integrates into every part of my life. But <clears throat> when I had, co- I still I'm very sociable. So in the gym, I talk to people, and everyone's got a story. And most of the people there are there because their plight is to either um, you know, better their health, the mental health, a lot of it. Um, lots of stories of addiction, mm. huge amount of stories of addiction in those places. And, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, I still call the gym a church. It's, it's like my AA. Mm-hmm. I very much find that. I'll go there and I'll, even if I'm not in a real training mode, if I'm not feeling um, in the right headspace, I know if I walk in there, my own personal energy will change. Mm-hmm. it's a positive place for me <clears throat> yeah and being open about um i guess past addictions and being sober myself it's like an invitation for people to then feel comfortable to be open about their uh, struggles as well i mean i met a girl in the gym the other day and she just oh you're sober it's like yeah it's like oh so am i it's like oh i found another one <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like oh 
Fuck! Finally, another one. Like, like the yeah. black jelly beans. Yeah, it's just because <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's no one's like straight out sober a lot of the time. A lot of people would just like oh, they just I guess keep it private. But mm. um, as I've found, yeah, being more open about it and just I guess it helps me. But then if it helps other people be more comfortable in talking about it, then I see why not. It sounds yeah. probably better. Well, I don't think no, none of us have done AA, right? I used to go to I used to go to AA. Yeah. Yeah. And well, you know, I, I know the concepts. I went to probably two meetings and um, it's a great program. It just wasn't wasn't what was going to work for me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that whole concept around if you're constant, if, you, if you're giving, you're not focusing on you. Mm. And that's, you know, that is, that's, that's my absolute plight in, in what I'm doing now um, is that giving back and, and if I can, um, helping other people avoid the, the pain or, or find a, a path out of their pain mm. more quickly than what I did. And, you know, that's that works for me as well because that's distracting me from my own head. Mm. <clears throat> but it's it. I, every time I give somebody else advice, it's a subliminal reinforcement for myself. Mm. Mm. There was a guy recently, I mean, he was going out um, with his friends and he was sober and he was asking advice and navigating that. And then his girlfriend was a drinker as well. Um, we try to give some tips here and there and yeah it's just uh, yeah positive reinforcement to sort of help someone else because then yeah it's just it's good to yeah, help yeah. people it's a good accountability partner <laughs> it's when good you're helping to help someone people else. Yeah. yeah well that's it and it's good accountability if you're helping someone else it is um, you know your podcast is doing that yeah it's you, great the feedback best. that you're getting is, is massive you know? <laughs> best accountability partner ever having this podcast because it's yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've got a well. podcast where I talk about being sober, so uh, you can't give me any cocaine or uh, <laughs> yeah, alcohol, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's it'd, not it'd last be a cocaine. Co- yeah, it'd be a it's conflict last, of interest. So. Not last amphetamine. Le- well, it's last drinks, first mushrooms is, is the working <laughs> yeah. title. Yeah, we're changing it. Um, <laughs> cool. Just have to set intentions with what we're doing. Yeah, that's, that's right. the difference. Yeah, so My intentions I, to get fucked up. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, Done. Yeah, Sold. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my intention is to escape and numb and just yes. completely destroy my life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we've got one final question for you, Justine. Okay. And I haven't prepared you for this. So oh, God. We're okay. just throwing, <laughs> you a, throwing you a curveball. Um, so last time we said, you know, give us a story about something silly that you've done. Mm. So this time we're going to ask you to let us know the best or a very good piece of advice mm. that you've received in the last few years. Uh, in the last few years. We probably should have asked her beforehand. Oh, that would have been wise. <laughs> I've had so much fucking advice in the last few years. She's OCD, remember? Yeah, so. exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. I take it all in. Um, look, this is just so basic, but um, I think the whole concept around I'm too, you know, particularly for women or for men, um as well, so I don't know why I said particularly for women, It's maybe it's because it's come from engagement from women, yeah. is that they feel like they're too far gone or it's too late and it's just never too late. Mm. Um, it's never, ever, ever too late. You can be 80 and decide to change your life and mm. people do it. Um, you're never too far gone and it's never too late and that's something that I have definitely clung on to um, most certainly with my own ambition 
for what I do in my business, my life, and you know where I was in my in my late teens, as I spoke about in my twenties, I can do all that now, um, but I can only do it because I'm sober. Mm-hmm. I would never be able to do it before. There is help. There's resources. There's people. Um, n- no situation is impossible. It's not gonna n- not be easy. Um, oh, it's 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 not gonna be easy, but it's it, there is a workaround everyone you're never too far gone Mm. never ever too far gone god i've seen so many um once you really uh it's like an it's like instagram with algorithms you know when covid was going on and everybody all of a sudden there was one person who had an adverse reaction to the thing all of a sudden instagram's throwing it up and i'm going oh shit there's so many people that are having adverse Mm -hmm. reactions and Mm -hmm. whatever else but when you open yourself up to this community of people that are are changing their lives and transforming their lives and removing this very easily accessible, acceptable substance from their life and making it normal, um, you can see the extraordinary things that they're doing. Mm. So, um, you know, and you can... People people have been in impossible situations and got out of them even when they're, you know, late in life. Yeah. Mm. It's just, it's just never too late. You're never too far gone. And I think we just pull that card so often. Mm. It's like, really? Yeah. What difference is it going to make now? Yeah, yeah. You know? That's a great piece of advice. That's good. You've pulled yeah. that out the hat with, yeah. a, with no preparation. Very, that's, that's very good. <laughs> yeah, well, if that you, is very good, yeah. If, you breathe, if you're breathing, you still have hope. That's it. Like, yeah. There's life, there's hope. And, you know, I can put my hand up and say, like, I was one of those people that thought there was no hope. I was mm. never going to get to where I am now. I mean... There's days where I just think, I don't even know how I got here. I don't know how I made the change that I did, but I'm fucking glad that I did yeah. because it's brought me here. Um, yeah, it's just, if you're still breathing, there's still hope. Yeah. Absolutely, um, yeah. You and just, you don't ever know how much, um, you know, your words impact other people. It can be one thing that you that someone says to you that the penny can drop mm. and they go, fuck that's it mm, yeah. today's the day in fact i'm going to quickly elaborate on this because i think this yeah, is yeah. pretty amazing absolutely i had a, a, a psychologist um who was in crumman clinic only for a short period of time but then i saw him privately so we're talking uh, 11 years ago now maybe 10 11 years ago before i completely got sober and i talk about this in my book he was the psychologist that said to me i think you should exercise Mm. And those words changed the entire trajectory of my life because mm. I, wow. I, I took that advice on. I ran into him in the supermarket last week. Mm. I hadn't seen him in all that time. And I remembered, oh, clearly I know who he is. And what if he doesn't know me from Bar of Soap? I had to yeah. reintroduce myself. How many alcoholics does he <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. come past his door? And I told him about what I was doing and the space I was in. And I said, you impacted me so greatly you've got no idea and I told him what I what I said what I just told you and I told him what, what was in my book and how that's definitely um something that I, that I use with you know anyone that I'm I'm working with or trying to help as well and it was literally just a statement that the penny dropped hmm. but it had such an impact hmm. huge impact wow yeah hmm. I had something similar and I mean that's something that we've shared um it was an Instagram reel um it was about which I called the best advice that I've received about quitting alcohol and it was just this guy in AA who got up and shared and then 
the one thing that I took away from it was he just said he didn't have a drink today. And then that was the one thing that just stuck yeah. in my head. So yeah. wow. to keep it simple mm. and just... Well, that's yeah. achievable. Today's yeah. achievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's, and that's interesting. I mean, I saw a... I went to a live lecture with um, Jordan Peterson just last week oh, and he talked about yeah. something like this and he, he, he it wasn't about alcohol, it was about kind of just life in general, but he was kind of saying... Um, essentially with any problem in your life the longer that you leave it the harder it's going to be to deal with you know yeah. if you're in a bad job a bad relationship you've got a drinking problem anything that can be impacting your life you know the longer you delay it the harder it's going to be so there's no perfect time to to fix anything it's just the sooner because the, the longer you leave it um the more anxiety you're going to have around fixing it because it's going to continue to build as the years pass by if it's going to be too difficult um you're going to be like older and he says you know more resentful and things like that and so everything just becomes more challenging so like you say it's never too late i suppose no. it's never too early either mm. no yeah 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 definitely awesome mm. well thank you for joining us again just welcome it's my fun. pleasure that was good <laughs> i really enjoyed that it was a good little yeah another little catch up that was a good catch up uh, yeah, good. yeah this has been the last drinks podcast and that's Mitchell Ford, oh. and I'm Will Hitchens. <laughs> oh, what, what was that for? Well, you got you got to mix it up from time to time. Yeah, yeah well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Impro. yeah, yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you in the next one. Fuck off. Oh, that's so pleasant. <laughs> Thanks, Justine. <laughs> it wasn't fuck off to you. That was. No, that was I don't know. <laughs> to our wonderful <laughs> listeners, to our wonderful listeners. Yeah. Fuck yeah. off. No, we'll just yeah go, go thrive and strive through life. And then come back oh. the next time and listen to us talk shit again. Very and good. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs>